Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Good morning, Coastal. God is good. And all the time. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open them up to 2 Samuel chapter 9 this morning. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen more than likely, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord. Because he is risen, right? Because he is risen, our souls cry out, Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who was slain. Thank you, Lord. How was your Easter? Oh, good. Family, friends, killer hot up here. You had your family, friends. You've had some good times, probably some good food. Obviously, we had a great service last week. You know, six people came to the Lord and, you know, just <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Our soul cries out. And I echo David's sentiments, King David, when he said, it is good. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. So I ask you, how's Easter? How your Easter was? Because, well, I asked myself that a few times this week. For me, in the very beginning of my walk with Jesus, um, uh, maybe 10, 15 years worth, maybe, uh, Passion Week was always a real challenge for me. Uh, you know, the week leading up to Easter and Good Friday, it's always, it was really a, uh, an emotional, draining, uh, holy morning. And I've noticed that over the years, it's become less and less impactful. So I asked you, how was your Easter? I asked me, how was my Easter? How did the resurrection of Jesus Christ change me this year? So I look, and so I'm thinking, and I'm like, how did the resurrection change the disciples? How did Easter, how did their Easter change them? How did Easter change me, change you? These disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were, before Easter, a mess. Just a mess, like us. But after Easter, something changed. Everything changed. Matter of fact, they received the Holy Spirit. And when they received the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Those broken, baggage-carrying failures of people became the apostles of the church. What changed? What did the Holy Spirit do for those followers of Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit do for us today and generations to come? He desires for us to have an intimate, for me, I believe he desires for us and me to have an intimate, passionate relationship with Jesus. That's his goal. That's his plan. That's why he's setting out to change Jim to be more like Jesus. He's changing you to be more like Jesus. 
Those disciples learned something. And if you've been in the faith at all, at long, at any length of time, you have learned some of these truths that I want to share from my heart today with you in the story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, I'm sure everybody knows who Mephibosheth is. He's Jonathan's son, King Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth. I want to look at Mephibosheth because I believe that our passage today is probably one of, if not the greatest passage of grace in the Old Testament that, is, that has been expressed that I have found. So today I want to look at Mephibosheth's life. He's a young man. Just let me give you a little background about Mephibosheth and uh, where we'll pick up our text this morning. We know that he's the son of Jonathan, the grandson of the king. You know, he's, uh, he's in line to be king someday. He was um, the last surviving member of Saul's uh, lineage, his, his bloodline. Mephibosheth, right? He, uh, we all remember King David, right? King David, the guy... David, the shepherd boy who killed Goliath with a stone. You know, we know him. We also know that he was anointed while the first king, Saul, was reigning on reigning Israel. Samuel shows up and anoints David to be God's chosen king, which doesn't really sit well with Saul, obviously. Matter of fact, it became a civil war. One King David the other side, King Saul. To even muddy the waters a little further, King Saul's son, Jonathan, was best friends, closest friends with David. Matter of fact, so much so that within this civil war, they professed their loyalty with one another to keeping each other safe and caring for each other, even through this war or after this war. So they made a covenant with each other. So that kind of, you know, really messes up the family dynamic there. But then we find that Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, I'd like to spell that as a kid. (laughs) While the Civil War was raging, Saul and Jonathan die on the battlefield. What typically happens when one regime takes over another regime, when the fallen king is out of power, his descendants are murdered. They are wiped out so that there is no lineage left to to challenge the new regime. Very common. Everybody in Saul's family, after they died, were murdered except Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Right? And then it tells us in 2 Samuel that when David was securely sitting and enthroned in his kingdom, he remembered the promise he made with Jonathan. And that is where we pick up our text this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can... Show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba, who was one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. 
The king then asked him, is anyone alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, one of Jonathan's sons are still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar, the son of Ammonel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makar's home, and his name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and grand, Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Do not be afraid, David said. I intended to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Come on now. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, he will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11, Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I, will, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from this time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth, said, or Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for, for your word. We thank you, Father, that it's alive, it's moving, it's active. It always achieves what you set it out to do. And this morning, I pray yet again that you do it again, Lord. God, do it again. We love you because you first loved us and Help us to hear from you this morning, Lord. Help, help something that is said stick to a soul today, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity and for this day. In Jesus' name, and all who, said, all who agree said, amen. First thing I want you to notice about Mephibosheth and notice that we can replace the name Mephibosheth with John, David, Lisa, Sue, Pete, Ray, Jim, doesn't matter. But what I want us to understand and see, these are some truths that Mephibosheth learned that brought him into an intimate relationship with David. And these are the truths that the Holy Spirit teaches his followers so that we receive that intimacy of what God desires for us. For us. I don't know about you, I want more of Jesus. We're here, we're singing about Jesus. We're loving all Jesus. I hope we all want more of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. From the front of the book to the back of the book, every story points to our Messiah, our Deliverer. But 2 Samuel 4 tells us what, uh, what happened to Mephibosheth. He was crippled by a fall. 2 Samuel 4, 4 says... Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. 
He was five years old when, he re- when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and, became, and he became crippled. Listen, Mephibosheth, he, uh, he started with uh, a disadvantage. He was crippled in his feet, right? As a Saul, as, as things are going, here's Mephibosheth. He's, he's got a growth spurt, but, or he hasn't hit his growth spurt yet. But the nurse, when, they, when she hears that Mephibosheth's descent, or the king has, has been killed, Jonathan, his father, has been killed, she freaks out because she knows what's coming. She grabs Mephibosheth, and she runs out the back of the palace. But on her way out of the palace, she's running. She must have tripped or something. And she, she dropped Mephibosheth on his, however he fell. But the Bible tells us that he was crippled. He was crippled from that point on. In other words, he was helpless. He was at the mercy of anybody who was looking for her, him. He started off with some disadvantages. And we too, we have some disadvantages because we have a propensity to sin, right? I don't know about you, but I fall short. Anybody else in the room fall short? Once in a while, we fall short, right? Morally speaking, we can't live up to God's perfect standard. Spiritually speaking, we can't make ourselves righteous enough for God's standard. And physically speaking, we're all going to feel pain, we're all going to get sick, and we're all going to die unless Jesus returns. We don't have a shot. We basically had the same problem as Mephibosheth. He fell, and because of the fall, he was crippled. Because of the fall of Adam, all mankind, all human beings... Are, are at a disadvantage, at a disadvantage in a big way. I've been waiting uh, like a month for this quote, <laughs> so I'll probably screw it up. How many know there ain't anybody all together, just those with whiter teeth? You know what I'm saying? There are nobody that has it together. They're just those that have whiter teeth. In other words, some of us are better than others at, at looking good while being broken. Because we're all broken. We all know. We, I, and, and I've struggled a little bit with sharing this, but it's okay to struggle. Give you, I'm going to give you an example of brokenness in my life. Okay? Um, here we go. Lord, help me. Listen, um, my mother and father, they, uh, at, at, I was very young, about Fib's, about Fib's age, but bigger, bigger, five-ish, right? And, and, and I remember in my household, and, and please hear me, this isn't a combination on anybody in this story, it's just how I'm broken. My mother and father used to fight a lot, like, a lot of moms and fathers, they fought a lot. And a lot of times in that fighting, it got very um, scary. Very scary. And um, anyway, this one day, this was, this was happened enough that I remember it, you know. And one day, there was this fight. And one day, my dad 
said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And he was mad. And he walked up to me, put his hand on me and says, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, but I can remember what he said at that age. He told me, he told me, and please, I'm not indicting my father or anything. I'm just, and we're all broken. Dad's too. <laughs> he said, I'm leaving. You're the man of the house now. Take care of your mother. And I was just kind of glad he was gone. But something happened in me. Something that happened where I needed, that I felt that I needed to be the strongest man in my life. Something happened in me that, that I was supposed to be the strongest man in my brother's life. And the strongest man in my mother's life. And what this leads to is a sense of not feeling like I'm good enough. Which leads to uh, a lot of stuff, but it leads to failure. Failure will lead to fear. Fear, you know, morphs into anger. Anger turns into shame. Broken. It's not God's design. It's not how he designed me. It's not how he designs us. But we're broken. The good news is that like Mephibosheth, we too are sought by the king. Mephibosheth was sought by the king. Amen. Truth number two when it comes to intimacy. Intimacy in the truth, first truth is nothing I can do. I'm helpless. I'm at the mercy of God. Truth number two, the Holy Spirit desires for every follower of Jesus to understand is that the king sought us out. The king sought uh, Mephibosheth out. Mephibosheth was in a place that he didn't come looking for the king. And even if he could, he wouldn't have because he knows how things roll with, you know, he knows all his, his uncles and cousins, they're all dead. For him to go to David to try to make things right would be pointless. And he understands that. Mephibosheth didn't search for the king. The king searched for Mephibosheth. And I'm here to tell you that the king still is searching for those that he desires to have that intimacy with him. He wants us to be intimate with the creator of all things. Amen? Listen, Mephibosheth was only five years old. There's a good chance that he didn't even know as he was being hustled out of the palace, he probably didn't even know David. But the truth is that David made himself known to Mephibosheth. David took the steps necessary. David, Jesus, took the steps that were necessary for us, for us to understand this intimately by the power of the Holy Spirit. He came to me. It's amazing. He came for you. He came for somebody in this room that doesn't yet understand. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. You know, intimacy. Let me give you an example real quick. Intimacy. There's a big difference between 
how I feel about what God did for me and what the Holy Spirit reveals, that measure of Jesus' love for me changes everything. Changes everything. It takes broken people and makes them, makes them whole again. Listen, I was 27 years old, 27 years old before I even heard the story. Nobody even reached out to me, told me about Jesus or anything until I was 27, right? I was profoundly spiritually ignorant. ignorant. I didn't know that I even had a problem. The problem is there's a lot of people out there like that. We don't, you don't know you have the problem. You don't know that you've sinned and are separated from Christ. You don't know. We really don't know God until he reveals himself to us. That's intimacy. That's what changes everything. Nothing Mephibosheth could have done would make it right with the king. Beautiful thing. The king went and found Mephibosheth in a far-off land. Far-off land. Good thing. You know what? Because some of us were in a far-off land when God came and found us. Come on, I know there's some people in here that know what I'm talking about. There's some Todd, there's some people in here, me included, that were from the other side of the tracks, on the other side of the Jordan, in Lodabar, you know, a place of desolate and barren land. The text tells us in the first, fourth verse, it says, where is he? The king said, in Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar, the son of Amnel. Lodabar. It's the other side of town. It's the ghetto. It's the projects. It's the other side of the tracks. It's on the east side of the Jordan, barren land, wasteland. It actually means land of no bread. How ironic is that when Jesus is the bread of life? What I want you to understand is, and what the Holy Spirit desires us to understand, that God took the initiative to seek and find you. God took the initiative, is in taking the initiative to seek and find those that you love and care for and haven't come to the choice that God has put before them yet. Mephibosheth, he was, he was found far off land. And then the text tells us that he was saved for another's sake. He was saved for another's sake. This is a spiritual truth that draws my soul into intimacy with Jesus when I understand, <coughs> excuse me, that when David looked at Mephibosheth, he didn't see a cripple. He saw Jonathan. He saw the one he loved and promised to care for. He didn't see Mephibosheth. And I'm here to tell you today that you were saved, I was saved, and those people that are still yet to be saved will be saved for the sake of Christ, not for my own purposes, not for my own agendas. Verse 7 says, do not be afraid. David said, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all that he had, he says. All that he has. Everything we have is because Jesus gave it to us. Everything, if we understand it or not. The intimacy of this truth is that God is the one who provides all that I need, all that I need, all that you need. When God looks at you, 
He doesn't see a cripple. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is what's happening. God wants to make you into the, the, the image to be, to be developed and shaped and molded into the image of what Jesus is, love. I'm here to tell you today that Mephibosheth, although his life was extremely all over the place, it ends with a happy, happy ending. The happy ending. And I'm here to tell you, too, that there's a happy ending available, not just for Mephibosheth, but for the church, for those seeking and following after Jesus. Amen? He was restored. Mephibosheth was restored to the king's table. You and I have been restored from a sinful place to the righteousness of Christ in us. We have been restored to the king's table. From this point on, in Mephibosheth's life, this point on, everything was taken care of. For when he was told that he would be eating at the father's table, that is a way of saying that you will receive my protection. You will receive my love, my provisions, my grace, my mercy. You will receive it all. You will be a joint heir just like the rest of my kids. And Jesus is here, and he's telling us, listen, there's coming a feast, church. He's saying to the church, get ready, church, because I'm coming. And when I come, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a feast. Revelation 19 says it this way. Thank you, Lord. 19 and 6, it says, Then I heard again what sounded like a sound of a vast crowd or a roar of a mighty ocean, waves crashing as loud as thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the, the God Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Come on now. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has been prepared. She has been given the finest of pure white linens to wear, for the linens represent the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Friends, there's coming a day that we will see him face to face. There's going to come a day that we, we come to a place where we understand that, yeah, we were crippled by the fall, but we know that we were sought out by the king. And even though we were sought out by the king, he even went to the, he made the initiative to come get you, come get me. Jesus' purpose was to come get you, come get me. What are we going to do with what Jesus did? Because the, the party's getting ready to rain down. The, the time is near. It's closer today than it was yesterday. Mephibosheth, from that day forward, had everything he needed. From the moment that we come to that intimate place with Jesus Christ, he is all that you will ever need. He will provide all that you need. He will protect you in a way that only he can. He can give you the peace that no other can. 
He will bring liberty, freedom, and, and power into your life. He will bring intimacy with himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when we think about the story, come on, guys. When we think about the story of Mephibosheth, think of it like this. Before we could do anything about it, the devil grabbed humanity and took it to a far-off land. There we fell and got crippled permanently. But, got to love the buts in the Bible, right? But, thank God, it is also true that the king has come. The king has come. And one day, and one day soon, his kingdom will reign here with you and with me. Jesus is the reason, right? How was our Easter? How was our Easter? God's grace is sufficient for all that we need. It is sufficient for you. It is sufficient for me. It is sufficient for your children and your spouse. It is sufficient wherever it is needed. It is above and beyond all that we can even understand at some point. God is actively seeking. He's actively seeking. Is he seeking for you? Is he teaching you spiritual truths that bring intimacy? That, that when the hard time comes, when the challenges come, when, when the phone call comes or the news comes, when the hard times come, when it's dark, when you're in a desolate place with no bread, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the reason. And I'm here to tell you today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower, not perfect, but a follower of Jesus Christ, he has a seat for you at the table. He has a seat for me at the table. I don't know about you, but that ought to get some people excited. God is good, and he wants you with him. Hallelujah. Is God calling you? Do you know that you were crippled by the fall? Do you understand that the king came looking for you? Did the Holy Spirit reveal to you through these truths just how important you are to him? I want you to know that God is for you. And if he is for you, it doesn't matter who's coming against you. How was my Easter? It revealed some broken areas in my life. <laughs> but God. But God. So whatever it may be today, wherever you may be, if you are the church of Jesus Christ today, I thank God for every need being met in your life. But if you are not, if you are trying to be the strongest man in your life, if there's broken areas that the Spirit of God is revealing to you, and He's calling you, and He's seeking you, if that's you, today is your day. Today is the day that he purposed before the foundation of the world that it would be yours. 
So either in this room or by the way of the internet, I want you to know that God loves you. And he gave his very best for you when we were helpless and couldn't do it. You may be in this room today and you may be feeling like you can handle it. That you could be the, the strongest person in your life. And I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that you don't have to be. You don't have to be because he will lift your arms. The Spirit of God, which Jesus sent to us and to those who still yet have come to understand intimacy, power. So if you're here today and you would be bold enough to confess your need for Jesus, I would ask you to stand. If you're here today and you need Jesus, you want that. You want the intimacy that his heart and his purposes brought. Stand. This is your opportunity. What this means to me is that God is a good God because everybody in the room is a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? But listen, if you're not and you're online today and you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as confessing your need for him. Peter cried out, save me. Cry out, save me. You don't need a church service to be saved. You need Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone. Let us be people that are fully alive in Christ today. Amen. If you would, stand your feet. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.